friends. Welcome to Looking Up, a podcast for Christian women. I'm one of your hosts, Carla Moore, and I'm here with Kathy Pollard. And we're so thankful that you've joined us for another episode of Looking Up. We're just wanting to bring some goodness and light to your days. How are you this day, Kathy? I'm doing really great this day, Carla. It's, <laughs> I really am. I uh, just got back from checking on the chickens. <laughs> are they laying? They are. They're still laying, even though it's it's uh, pretty frigid outside. And I was uh, grumbling a little bit mm-hmm. because it's so cold, you know, I'm bundled up, not really wanting to go out there. But the sun is out today and it was just sparkling on that frosty grass. And I was I was walking, I was just kind of noticing the colors, you know, there. Mm. It was blue and gold, blue and gold sparkles all over the grass. It kind of looked like Christmas lights lit up. So I thought, well, that's pretty magical. Yeah, <laughs> Kentucky bluegrass, right? Exactly. Yeah. You might get five dollars be... an egg on the black market for those for those fresh farm eggs. They are gold. That's mm-hmm. right. We're grateful for them. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We um, went to the rodeo last night with some friends, and that's not something that we do on a regular basis, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it was fun, and um, I know zero about bull riding and bareback riding and all. But we we could, were right above where they were coming out of the chutes, and and it's pretty exciting. And they had uh, there's a group of young girls here. They call them the Westerners, and they ride the mm-hmm. the horses around the arena, and they have these neon lights that flash around them, and it was just a lot of fun. So that's uh, I remember what we did that last night. Mm-hmm. the Denver Rodeo is a good one. Yeah, it's going to be over tomorrow. So it's coming to a close and all of the ending festivities are going on. Yes, it's always near Dale's birthday. So we would hit up the rodeo for his birthday a lot. Mm -hmm. Really fun. I'm glad you uh, mentioned that we're hoping to encourage our listeners. And we want to take a moment to thank our listeners for encouraging us. And this is our second episode. Mm -hmm. We got such good feedback from the first one. And so we want to thank you, ladies who listened in, who offered your support and love and encouragement. It was um, heartwarming to read all those great comments and gave mm-hmm. us the boost we needed to <laughs> continue. Yes, think really maybe did. we can pull this off. So we're, we just want to say thank you, particularly to all of you for that sweet, sweet encouragement. Yes. Thank you all for listening. It's fun. I mean, it, it's fun to just sit here and have a conversation with you and to think that other people would like to sit down at the table and have a conversation with us. And that's what we kept hearing over and over is that they felt like they were sitting at the table with us. And, and that's exactly what we talked about at the beginning when we were discussing Mm -hmm. having this podcast is just sitting and chatting and encouraging one another. So hopefully that's what we're doing. Yes, that's what we're going for. So that made us feel good. And we also want to remind our listeners, this is unscripted. We're just having a conversation. We come up with a topic ahead of time of things we think we might want to talk about, um, but we're just going to have a conversation and invite you to to join it with us. And we thought that would be more fun. Yeah. But it is unscripted, and we will make mistakes. And yeah. we appreciate your patience and your grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we <laughs> need a lot of grace there. Mm-hmm. Little, so, what have you thrifted lately? I found the most beautiful quilt this week not at Goodwill, but at a place, a little antique kind of place around the corner from a Goodwill here in Denver. And it's, there's just something about the colors. It's a, I don't, I can't even describe the blue, but it's blue and tan and the, it has a scalloped edge and it's in the, in the center of the squares, they've pieced these little flower sack sunflowers. Oh, cute. Yeah. And they're all different colors. And, and it was just, I got it for a steal, sort of. 
because they had priced it like a cutter quilt. They call it a cutter quilt because a lot of people will use them to cut pieces off of and make maybe Christmas ornaments or they'll frame individual quilt squares. And But it didn't have all that many flawed places on it. And so I'm excited to just fold it up. I have a cabinet back in Dripping Springs that I keep quilts in. And I I just, there's something about quilts. I have one that my my dad, when he was three years old, their house burned down. And before, you know, when it was all beginning, my grandmother, I called her Meemaw. She picked dad up and wrapped up, wrapped him in this quilt and put him in the car while they were fighting the fire. And oh, I wow. think that's kind of what started my interest in quilts. Mm. So I have that quilt and I have to fold it up and hide the bad spots, but I just, there's something about the history that's attached to him. And my, my mother's mother made me a, a, a quilt. No, that was, that was Meemaw that made me that quilt but I have one of my mother's mother's quilts and they're just, it's a, it's a piece of history, I think. So I was excited to find this, even though it's not a piece of my history, it's someone's history and it's hand quilted. So I I just have in my mind that this group of women sitting around a table or sitting around hoops and quilting this beautiful quilt. So that that's not a resale. That's just something that I'm, I'm going to put in my cabinet when I get back home. That's what I found. That is a great find. Good job. You're so good at that. Oh, it's fun. But I'll send you a picture of it and and I'll post a picture of it once the the episode comes out. But anyway, so what's what's going on on your homestead over there besides eggs? I've been spending time in seed catalogs, creating my lists of things that I want to order. And I have a couple of different companies that I order from Seed Savers and Baker's Creek. And so the, the catalogs are so beautiful. So it's mm. fun to spend time looking at all those pretty pictures of flowers and vegetables and herbs and when it's cold and gray and brown outside. Is it kind of like kind the of, Montgomery Wards catalog? Exactly. Exactly. You, you okay. just look forward to having that cheerful moment in the, mm-hmm. in the dead of winter. And then you can daydream about your garden. I take a Sharpie and circle the page numbers and the seeds mm. that I want to order. And, you know, just, are you going to try anything different this year? I usually do. Uh, I can't remember at the moment. I'll have to go back through and look. Maybe that's something that I can share also in the group. Mm-hmm. But I usually do try to try something new every year. I, my, my favorite thing to grow is probably herbs. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds. So I'll definitely have different varieties of herbs, you know, that I'll try each year. So that's that's what I've been doing on the homestead. <laughs> I always look forward to seeing your pictures and the things that you can. And, and um, you just have a... a green thumb and it's fun to watch you with your gardens well you know I would love to say that my thumb is completely green but there are brown spots <laughs> and I, I have a, a lemon tree that I'm trying to grow for the first time while it's here in our zone you can't leave it out year round so I have to bring it in in the winter so it's potted mm-hmm. and it's in our bedroom window at a south facing window which is it's in our bedroom at a south facing window, which is supposedly where you're supposed to keep them. And so it's had one little lemon hanging on for the longest time. And it finally ripened, it finally turned yellow, but it never got bigger than about a quarter size. Mm. So it's this teeny tiny yellow lemon, but I I pulled it off after it ripened completely and just smelled it. And I was like, well, it smells like a lemon. Mm-hmm. Did you use it in anything? I did not. I threw it in my compost. So, mm. but you know, it's, it looks pretty sad. I'm hoping that it's just because it's so young and I can keep it alive, but we'll see. It's a start. 
it's a start. There's a learning curve. Yeah. Speaking of start, great segue. <laughs> Speaking of planned. start, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about fresh starts today. Mm-hmm. That was the topic that we decided to come up with because it's January. A lot of people are thinking about resolutions and fresh starts. Do you keep, uh, do you make resolutions? You know, I never have, well, maybe once or twice, but it's not a regular thing that I do because I feel like I sort of set myself up for failure. If I, especially when it comes to eating, if I know, for example, that I'm going to start a diet and I know you're not supposed to use that word, but we all use it anyway. If I know I'm going to start a diet January 1st, then I think I spend the entire month of December just shoving everything in my mouth. And then I end up gaining 10 pounds before I'm trying to lose. And nothing is worse than losing weight that you've already lost. You know, it just is irritating. So I, I don't guess I really do new year's resolutions, but um, I, I think maybe it's just a kind of a personal thing. What about you? What do you do? I do make news resolutions. I, I look forward to it. I anticipate it. I love the whole clean slateness of it and um, just how it feels good to anticipate a fresh start, you know, and I like to sit down and think about where I drop the ball and areas that I can improve or, you know, map out maybe a, a, a new direction or something new to try or all of those things. And obviously the traditional resolutions that most people think about are on my list too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Health related, you already mm-hmm. mentioned diet, yeah. you know, yeah. but exercising more, eating better, drinking more water, all of those things are, yeah. they always make my list. Do you think at some point that I'd be able to cross one of those off the list? I think that's <laughs> lifelong. Right. So it's, but a few years ago, I, I came up with something that for me simplifies it a little bit because I would get discouraged. I'd have this huge long list, you know, here are 17 things I want mm-hmm. to do better at. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed so impossible about week two or three, you know, it was yeah. kind of, <laughs> <laughs> so a few years ago, I kind of simplified it and I use what I, I just do www. Mm-hmm. And I kind of stole that from Weight Watchers. Yeah. Except I added a W and every every day I write down WWW and it stands for water workout in the word. Mm, great. And I try to drink eight glasses of water. And so I'll write down little tally marks for each glass of water that I get in. Try to do some sort of workout. It could be something easy like a walk, you know, or a strength training workout. And then spending time in the word scripture writing or whatever it might be. And then I just check those off. So I found that if I can just get those three things done, I feel better about the rest of the day. And, you know, disciplining myself in those three areas tends to sort of bleed over Mm -hmm. into all of those other things that I'm trying to work on. But it's just more manageable for me. I see that and I think, okay, I can do that. I can Mm -hmm. I can do these three things. And if I'm drinking more water, strangely enough, it makes me want to eat better. And if I've had a workout, strangely enough, it makes me want to make better choices, you know? Mm -hmm. So spending time in the word helps me with those spiritual things I want to work on. So it's just something that just seems more manageable for me. And I like how um, I can kind of overlap them instead of being three separate things, you know, I can drink water while I'm working out. I can listen to the word while I'm going on a walk. So just really, really doable. But yeah, I I make resolutions and I love that whole, um, you know, when you went and bought 
school supplies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you remember that feeling? Yes. Trapper keepers. Yes. Brand new markers and pencils and pens and, and stacks of fresh paper. And mm-hmm. even though I wasn't crazy about school, yeah, I, I had fun getting the school things and it's kind of that same thing. I, you know, just that freshness and newness. And did your so mom ever want you to use a leftover spiral from the year before? No. Did you have to do that? Not often, but there were times I think that mom would say, well, this one's still pretty good. And I, I just wanted a new one. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about. You don't want to turn over a page that already has writing on it. You know, you just, there's something about opening a new spiral or a new planner and there's nothing written on it. And you just know that you have a new opportunity to, to start afresh. So I, I know what you're saying. That's a, that's that's a a great feeling. That's a good way to put it. And it's not a new binder anymore, but it is a new planner and that's fun too. I like to pick out a new planner for the year. And well, I don't like to spend a lot of money also on a planner. So Mm -hmm. um, I found some cute ones that, that I've really enjoyed. My favorite one is by Katie Daisy. It's K-A-T-I-E, Katie Daisy. And they're so pretty. They're um, colorful. A lot of them have nature type themes, you know, with flowers and gardening things and herbs. And so it'll have all these beautiful artworks and quotes And then, of course, your weekly things for you to write down. But you can find them on Amazon for less than $15. Well, Mm. you used to be able to. I don't know what it is now. And then the one I got for this year, I actually found at Sam's. It's a Mary Englebright. And um, it kind of focuses on the cozy home. Mm -hmm. So all the artwork and quotes have to do with coziness and homemaking. and, And so that one's really cute. However, the pages are glossy. Um, and so, so when you, you can't write, write it, you without to, smearing. Yeah. You have to sit there. You have to wait for the ink to dry before you can close it or turn the page. Or, so that's kind of bland, but, mm. <laughs> but the Katie yeah. Daisy ones are perfect. And I'll share pictures of those too. And in, okay. in the group page so that people can see them if they want to, but that's fun. I just look forward to picking out my new planner for the year and mm-hmm. you know, it all goes together. So. Do you keep up writing in your planner through the whole year? Does it ever, yes. do you forget? No, not really. Um, that's part of my kind of morning routine. I usually mm. do that right before, when I sit down at the dining room table. I pull the planner out and think about what I need to do. And I write down www. I write down my weight. <laughs> <laughs> so you keep those under lock and key. Yes. And if I do things like I made grape juice, I'll write that down because you kind of want to keep track of how many weeks it's been sitting up to, you know, it's ready. So little things, yeah. all that kind of stuff goes in my planner. So yes, I use I, it all the time. I have used my scripture writing book actually as kind of a journal. Um, you know, I included that little square this year mm-hmm. on my heart right. and in my prayers. And so I'll write things in there. So-and-so is here today, or we left, left dripping for, for Denver. And so I know I can look back and remember what I was doing that day. I also have my mom's scripture writing books. So I can see what, you know, a lot of times at the very bottom, she'll write what she did that day. So I guess I do have kind of a planner. I just didn't think of it as a planner, or maybe it's just a a calendar, a memory book, but. Well, you're a think outside of the box kind of person anyway. So it does not surprise me that you figured that out to turn your scripture writing book into a planner also. Sometimes, well, that was unintentional, but sometimes (laughs) I'll write things and forget to cover them up and take a picture and post and then think, oh, I've got to take that down. That's got something personal on there. 
So. That's it. Well, so if you don't make resolutions, have you ever done the word of the year? You know, like no. pick, a, pick a word. I've heard of a lot of people that have done that though. And it sounds like a great idea. What, what do you do that? This is my first year doing that. Oh. I've, I've heard of people doing that too. And this year I've decided to do it. And my word is cheerfulness. Hmm. Don't tell Neil. <laughs> <laughs> he might he, listen to this. He might listen. What? Uh, my word is cheerfulness because I, for his sake, really, because mm-hmm. I feel like I, I'm, I try, I'm more intentional about that with other people. Um, or at least I try because mm-hmm. I want them to like me and I want them to enjoy spending time mm-hmm. with me. And so I'm more intentional about that, but it seems like at home, not mm-hmm. so much. So, uh, and Neil deserves better. And sometimes I excuse myself for my, you know, I'm tired. Um, hormonal, I'm grouchy or whatever it is. He, mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm mean or I just tend to talk more about negative things. Mm-hmm. I'll share more negative things with you mm-hmm. or, um, come, you know, find more things to complain about that I'll share to, to his ears, you know, maybe not necessarily anybody else's, but I don't know. I just decided that that can't be great for him. And I need to do better about that. Don't necessarily want to tell him that because <sighs> Then if I you might hold up, your feet to the yeah. fire. Hey, I thought your word of the year was going to be cheerfulness. See, when yeah. I quote Neil, he always sounds like that. But. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard Neil sound like that. Okay, well, whatever. You know, it's funny you say that because it seems like John and I go through these periods. If, if I'm more negative, he's more positive. Mm-hmm. And if I'm more positive, he's more negative. And we balance each other out. Not always, but there's times that I'll go home and grouse about something and he'll say, well, maybe that's not, you know, what, what they meant by that. And then that kind of makes me at first a little grumpy because he's not (laughs) siding with me, but then I think, yeah, he's probably right. And then the same thing happens on the other end. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Sometimes you really do just need someone to say, yeah, that stinks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that, um, occasionally he'll say, well, do you, do you just want me to listen? Or do you want me to help solve? And so mm-hmm. I like being asked, how how would you like for me to respond right now? That's a smart husband you have yeah. there. Very yeah, he smart. doesn't always do that, but um, <laughs> but sometimes he does. Well, and I'm not saying that I feel like I need to be up 24-7 yeah. with Neil mm-hmm. and that I can never be comfortable and share my heart or let my hair down. But, you know, there needs to be more balance with that. And there are some things that I can do that will make things a lot better. And I know you and I were chatting about this the other day, but for an easy example of this is um, the other day when he left, the door didn't latch. Mm. We have a storm door that's gotten to where it doesn't really latch that great. The door didn't latch and he didn't close the main door. And so, and I didn't realize that for, I don't know how long. And I walked in there, it's cold outside and the door's wide open. Mm. And my first thought, you know, was, wow. (laughs) He doesn't so care I, anything about I, me. I cannot believe he left this door wide, you know, and I latched the door and closed the main door. And, and I pick up my phone because I'm thinking I'm going to text him and say, I don't know how long you left this door open, but I just now discovered it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then it dawned on me, cheerfulness. Yeah. This is one of those things. What's the point? Why in the world do I think I need to text him that to what mm-hmm. end? Mm-hmm. And not so, right. So. Those little things I know. And I think just writing that word down here and there in my planner as a reminder, you know, to just be more intentional about it at home. 
right with him so and I think that's the key word is attentional intentional yes mm-hmm. yeah. because if we don't think about it and plan for it or just you know pray about it mull it over in our heads and and mm-hmm. I like that you write it down and you said you write it down every day no not every day but just occasionally as a reminder yeah. and I have to write everything down yeah I have to write my phone number down sometimes if I know somebody's <laughs> going to ask for me. <laughs> well, I confess when I was coming over to the building this morning, I forgot the code and I stood at the door and I thought, is it this? Nope, that was wrong. And I, I started wondering it, uh, how many chances do I get before they lock me out? So I had to open up my phone and find the where I had written it in there. Uh, just for my sister things. and I had lunch the other day. Christy mm-hmm. Woodall is my sister. And we were talking about this word of the year and she shared one. She had just gone to a ladies day last weekend. And she said that Carrie Tucker was the, the speaker mm-hmm. and Carrie Tucker had mentioned that her word of the year was a phrase, use me up. Mm. And that was going to be hers for uh, God to just use her and her abilities and talents, I guess, you know, to make the most of each day. And so Christy said that she was going to adopt that one. And you know how you pick something and you feel good about it. And then you hear somebody else's and you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's too late to change your word of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, can you do it too? <laughs> well, that, that could be your phrase of the year. Use me up cheerfully. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cheerfully. Your sentence of the year. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking about this the other day too. Um, and I think that you and Neil do this, but my son and his wife, Jacob and Alyssa have, they call it a summit every first part of the year. Like the, maybe they do a new year's Eve type that time, but they talk about their year and they talk about, um, what was good and what, what they didn't do so well and what they want to do better the next year. And you talk about intentional. I think that's such a good thing for a marriage, not just for a person, but for a marriage to, to consider what, what is it that we need to do better? And I think it also gives you an opportunity to talk about things that might've bothered you in a more um, planned sense, you know, cause mm-hmm. if you're in the heat of the moment, you talk about, well, I didn't much like how you did this. Well, it doesn't come out like that, does it? But if you're, if you're planning ahead to talk about it, then you can pray about your attitude as, as mm-hmm. far as how you receive it. But I just think it's a great idea. And didn't you tell me that, you know, Neil do something like that? We do. I think summit sounds a lot fancier than what we do but well they we, go away uh, for the weekend and I, I that probably uh, is yeah we don't do that either feel that's fancier. pretty special that's mm-hmm. a great idea that's so mm-hmm. smart for them to do that I love that they're doing that but we um we just have a tea on New Year's Day or try mm-hmm. to and mm-hmm. um we used to dress up for it <laughs> I'm not surprised now we mostly just have conversation but we uh I think about it ahead of time like you say and write down some thoughts, things about our last year that I feel good about and our areas that I think we grew in and then things that I didn't feel good about, mm-hmm. things that I think we can do better at or things that we want to, you know, attempt to do together as a couple or a new direction or something that we want to try. We've got some dreams that we've been tossing around and, you know, and we're, this year is the year we're mm-hmm. going to make this happen and here's how we're going to make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what we do and as a couple. I think it could also be talking about a reset. Maybe it would be a good time to determine that you're going to put some things behind you and forgive some things that we kind of tend to, I don't necessarily think we hold things over 
people's heads, but we just remember them. You know, I know I do. I, I think he always does this or, you know, I'm I'm just prepared for something bad to happen again. And so I was, I was just thinking about that with the topic of, of reset, how important forgiveness and letting go of grudges would be. Is that something you think would fit in with, with this topic? Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, and, and it goes back to your word too, being intentional mm-hmm. about it. It's so easy in the moment to drag up something from the past when maybe you didn't even intend to, but in the, in the moment of your emotions and your, you know, indignation or mm-hmm. frustration or whatever it is you're experiencing, you know, you're, I think in my weak moments, I drag those things up. I certainly don't want him dragging up my things you know Mm -hmm. I've got so many things in my past I'm not proud of and uh we're getting really personal here aren't we Mm -hmm. but Neil's just really good about not dragging up the past yes I I learn a lot from him and need to do better about that myself but yeah that whole reset thing and being more intentional about about stuff like that and well here's a question um, for you unless you can oh go ahead well, it's kind of one of those that I know it can cause some controversy. So let's just stir this pot without stirring the pot. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we talk about, do you forgive someone who has not asked forgiveness? Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we have to, mm-hmm. I just think we have to. And and I guess a lot of times when we talk about this, people are are thinking that we're saying that we forgive sin when it has not been repented of, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I've always just thought if there's someone that has done something that has hurt our feelings and we're just going to, are we going to hang on to it and, and wait for them to come to us and apologize. And I just always think, what if they didn't even realize they hurt our feelings or what if I heard that wrong or what if I'm the one that's wrong? So I just, I have always, always thought that it's a good thing to forgive, even when it hasn't necessarily been, someone hasn't asked my forgiveness. And I think about, you know, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it may not be always uh, applicable or, or the same as what I'm talking about here, but he had such a forgiving spirit and a forgiving attitude. And there's so many things about forgiveness in the, in scriptures and, and uh, just talking about when we're going to God in prayer, we need to go first and make things right with, with people that have hurt us. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, this is a topic that brings up a lot of discussion and I think there's a lot of confusion about it. And I don't know that I understand all of it, but I agree with you. That question comes up all the time. And I know that, you know, the Bible tells us that if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive others and we have to forgive as Jesus forgave Mm -hmm. us. And you already pointed out he forgave before the crowd asked for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And um, we have the example of Stephen, you know, asking for forgiveness on behalf of the very ones who were stoning him in the act of stoning him. Mm -hmm. And, And so, yeah, I think the confusion is um, when, you know, there's other examples of how many times do I have to forgive? You know, well, if they repent, forgive, you know, mm-hmm. well, what they if they repent. didn't repent? Well, we're not talking about their relationship with God. Right. 
we're not talking about sin that they're hanging on to and not repenting of, but we're going to forgive them anyway. We're not talking about absolving, as you said, them of guilt mm-hmm. of sin. That's between them and God. Right. But our relationship with others, every example that we have in the New Testament is complete and genuine and ongoing forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so um, it can't be based on whether or not we think the other person is worthy or earned it or, you know, um, not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, It can't be in such a way that we're putting stipulations on somebody, you know. And I think our human hearts want to say, but hey, that's not fair. Yeah, fair. It's not fair. Mm -hmm. And we just have to keep going back to the cross. And know that God knows best and yeah, keep trying our best to forgive as he forgives. I had a, a situation years ago, but it taught me a lot about this and, and it was something kind of silly, but there was someone who had gotten upset with John and wrote a letter to the elders about it. And it was, it was very silly. The whole thing was, but um, they, they never apologized for it to John And, you know, when someone hurts someone you love, it hurts worse than if they hurt you. And I just, I held on to that and I held on to it and we worshiped with them. And Mm -hmm. I don't know that I really worshiped during that time because every time I was there and they were there, that's all I could think about. And this, it went on for months, just ate me up, ate me up until I finally just realized I've, I have to, this is a matter of my soul too, because I kept seeing things in scripture about having a forgiving attitude. You know, there's so many things in Ephesians four, Colossians three, about the kind of attitudes that we're supposed, supposed to have. And, and finally just realized I've got to, I've got to forgive and they're not going to ask forgiveness that, but that's between them and God. And maybe they did not do anything wrong. That what really wasn't uh, my place to make that judgment. And I tell you what, when I made that decision and just let go of it, it was like this enormous weight had been lifted off my shoulders. And what is that saying? I'll botch it if I try to say it, but forgiveness is, is releasing a prisoner and then realizing that the prisoner was you. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I'm a big believer in forgiving and just having an attitude of, of just let it go and realize that you may be at fault. Maybe you've done something or me, maybe I've done something that has, that I didn't intend to hurt. And I sure want them to have that attitude towards me. And again, God has that towards us when we, when we walk the way he wants us to walk. So anyway, that's just something that I've always been interested in and curious about how people felt. Years ago, uh, somebody embarrassed me publicly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my, um, my pride was also, so involved, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a pretty ugly thing. And, um, and it had to do with something that, well, it was basically, I was giving my third graders Bible verses to memorize. And a father came to the classroom and said, you know, my son already has to memorize a verse for his Sunday class. I'm not going to make him do another one for his Wednesday night class. And, and, you know, in all my pride and indignation, I'm thinking he just completely undermined my authority in front Mm -hmm. of these other third grade Bible kids, you know, and, and then in my mind went all these different directions of what kind of dad is that? And, you know, does he not make his child do 
homework in all of his school subjects or just one, you know, just all these different things were going through my mind. And I nursed that grudge. Mm -hmm. And the more I thought about it, the more indignant I got. And this is just a minor example, but, um, you know, he would get up and serve on the Lord's table and worship. And I'd sit there instead of thinking about Mm -hmm what we were supposed to be thinking about in my heart, I'm sitting there going, wow, look at him up there, you know, Mm -hmm. knowing when I, and finally one day I just called my dad and told him about it. And I'm thinking, do I need to just have a go, have, go have a conversation with this guy, you know, clear the air, have a conversation so I can worship properly. And my dad said, I've got just the verse for you and sent me to Proverbs something. I can't even think of it right now. And I was, you know, all anticipate, ha, 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 and mm-hmm. turn to it. And of course, the verse is that it's, you know, to our glory to overlook a transgression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he really got to the heart of the matter with me and said, can you not just let it go? Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very um, eye opening for me. I think that was one of, that was such a long time ago. I was so young, but it really stuck with me all these years, you know, the, we can work things up greater than they are right. in our minds with people that are, we think are supposed to be one way, you know, and maybe they make a mistake in a moment. They don't, he just didn't think things through probably, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was supposed to be an opportunity for me to just let it go and mm-hmm. extend grace. And so that has always stuck in my mind. It is, you know, to his glory to overlook a transgression and that mm-hmm. word transgression is, you know, breaking the law. Mm-hmm. a sin. And I don't even know that I could accuse this poor guy of actually doing that in his quick remark. Right. But, you know, that's something that I try to keep in mind. So Yeah. I was looking up passages that talk about forgiveness and, and how God forgives. And there's just so many that, that stand out. One of them is Isaiah 43, 25, and it talks about how he wipes them out. He wipes our sins out. And that, that word means annihilate, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just such a picture in your mind about, he just completely gets rid of them. He doesn't remember them. And that's so unhuman, like that's just God like, because, because only he can just not forgive them. But there's, there's so many that, that teach us to forgive. And, and it makes me think too, of how I've been forgiven, and, but, you know, we won't deep dive into personal stuff, but there was one time a friend of mine posted on Facebook, Psalm 69, five, it says, God, you know, my folly, my wrong, my wrongs are not hidden from you. And of course I knew that I know that God knows everything, but they went on to say in this post, they said, sin seeks secrecy. Hmm. Don't let it deceive you. Confess it. And Oh, that just, it was like a, it went straight to my heart because there were things that I knew that I needed to confess. And they were things that were weighing on me and that just, I spent so much time thinking about them and what a waste of time to, I want to say wallow in regret and knowing that this is sin in my life that I need to confess. And open up to, to the right people about and get, seek help from them and from God. And it was, you know, people really excoriate Facebook and social media sometimes, but it really, I think with the right people, if you can winnow down your friends list or just <laughs> highlight the ones that are going to encourage you and help you, I think it's such a great tool because that 
it really, there were some things about that single Facebook post that really changed my life because it led me to do some things that, that I needed to do to make things right. So I just am so thankful for forgiveness and knowing how God forgives me and talk about a reset, just Mm -hmm. the, the weight that's lifted off of you when you know that you've been forgiven and think that we should live that, that way every day. And it's impossible to live that way every day when you have sin weighing on you. And that you and I've also had this conversation before about how difficult it is to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. And then some, some will say, it's not your job to forgive yourself. And I, again, I think it's not my job to forgive myself of sin, obviously, but we don't, don't we struggle with regret and looking back? Absolutely. And there's, the Bible has so much to say about forgiveness from all those different angles, forgiving others, forgiving ourselves. Um, I did two Bible marking topics on it. And one was from the, the direction of forgiving others and what the Bible has to say about that. And then the other one is what you mentioned, how God forgives. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it addresses more of what you're talking about now. And yeah. those things that we hang on to and feel regret about, you know, you mentioned, um, annihilate God annihilating those things you know he when he forgives he doesn't see it anymore some verses describe him as you know tossing it into the deepest parts of the ocean Mm -hmm. uh, never to be seen again Mm -hmm. or um as you know it just disappears as the mist and it's gone it evaporates and Mm -hmm. and yet we're the ones that hang on to those things and when I think about those types of things it's not so much um secret sin that has affected only me Mm -hmm. that I wrestle with guilt over, but things that I know hurt other people Mm -hmm. and that impacted them in some way or disappointed them or let them down or affected their walk in Christ. Or Mm -hmm. those are the things that I look back over. I know they've been forgiven, but I still feel that pain in my heart of you can't ever take that back. And, Mm -hmm. and so it's, you know, think about a fresh start and reset and how to develop that ability to forgive yourself when um, it still hurts when you think right. about it. And you think about through the years, um, there have been people that have hurt me. But when I think about it, it doesn't cause the same chest tightening as when I think back to the times when I've hurt other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm that still bothers me. And so, um, I like to think about Peter. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that too, because probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Luke chapter 22. Mm -hmm. And so much happens in that, but it's particularly Jesus's conversation with Peter. Mm -hmm. And he says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Mm -hmm. There is so much in that one verse Mm -hmm. that encourages me and gives me hope. And here's Jesus having a conversation with Peter. I know you're going to mess up, Mm -hmm. but I also know you're going to turn around and I have a purpose for you. I have a job for you when you do. Mm -hmm. Jesus wasn't going to give up on Peter. And and then you think about, you know, Peter's response (laughs) Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. I'm, 
are you crazy? I'm willing to die for yeah. you. Uh -huh. And, you know, he's so confident in his faith and what he's willing to do. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And of course we know that that's exactly what happened. He, he goes from saying, I'm willing to die for you to denying mm -hmm. Jesus. And then verse 60 says, um, you know, after he did deny him, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Verse 61 says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And I just try to envision what that moment was like for him. Mm -hmm. And talk about struggling with feelings of regret, you know, mm -hmm. making eye contact with Jesus in that moment when you let him down and hurt him and denied him in such a strong way. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Mm -hmm. And I just think we can relate to that. And yeah. the times that we've messed up so bad and we've wept bitterly. So the reason I love it so much, though, is because then Peter does go on to strengthen the brethren and he writes first and second Peter. Mm -hmm. And I think for any of us that wrestle with forgiving self. Read first and second Peter with Luke 22 in mind. Exactly. Read mm -hmm. first and second Peter through the eyes of Peter, having let Jesus down. And I think it kind of changes how the words, you know, strike mm -hmm. our hearts. And, um, in first Peter chapter four, verse three, Peter writes, you've spent enough time in the past. Yeah. And at the end of verse six, he says, live according to God with regard to the spirit. And I feel like then he tells us how to do that in verses seven and following. And I like to think of that as moving forward. So yes, that happens. You've spent enough time on it. Here's how you can move forward. And what does he say? Love each other deeply mm -hmm. um, because love covers a multitude of sins and offer hospitality to one another, you know, open your, your home and your heart to others. Use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Do you see the focus in these verses? Yeah. It's like, get mm -hmm. over yourself mm -hmm. and think on others. And, um, and then in second Peter, he starts out by saying grace and peace be yours mm. in abundance. Mm -hmm. Everything we need for a godly life we've been given. Yeah. And, yeah. and he says it's by verse three, by his own glory and goodness, not mm -hmm. ours, not our merit, you know, by his own glory and goodness, verse four, through these, he's given us every very great and precious promises so that through them, you can participate in the divine nature. And, mm -hmm. and that's a promise. And then the moving forward, and this one starts in verse five, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, the goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance into perseverance, godliness into godliness, Mutual affection and a mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. I love that. I'll never forget. I don't, I'm not going to tell you how old I was when I realized this, but I'll never forget the mind blowing moment when I realized that the same Peter from the denial, you know, the same Peter is the same Peter that wrote first and second Peter, mm -hmm. the grown man and the mature Christian that he was. And I, there's, I used to think about that when Jesus turned and looked at Peter, I used to think it was, I told you so, mm -hmm. but I don't think that at all. I don't, I don't think either. that at all. Now I think that he turned and looked at Peter and was 
wanting him to remember what I told you mm-hmm. that you you're going to turn again. Mm-hmm. I've prayed for, can you imagine what it would be like to know, to have the Lord say, I've prayed for you, but you know, he intercedes yes. for us, That's right. but I just think he turned and looked at him. Maybe as he's being led away, he turned and looked at Peter and was just, you know, trying to, trying to get to him. Remember what I told you that you're going to turn again. And I still have things for you to do that. That was encouraging to me just to, because there were times knowing these things in my past that I felt so useless to God. I thought, how can someone who's done some of the things that I've done? And I know people sit out there probably think, oh, I've done so much worse. Well, no one knows what's in someone's Mm -hmm. private past. So we can't think this is so much worse than someone else. But but I just felt so useless to God. And I felt like someone who is guilty of this does, does, has no influence, has no, uh, I don't even know what word to use, but I just felt like I could not be someone that could be helpful to God. But think about Peter and, and Jesus was telling him, I've got, a, I've got things for you to do. You're to strengthen your brothers. And I always think for some reason, always in Capernaum, I, I, I look at the shoreline and think about John 21 when when Jesus is walking along the shoreline after his resurrection and um, Peter and John are out in the boat fishing and I think that there's maybe some other disciples out there with them but remember it says that the disciple whom Jesus loved so John said it's the Lord because apparently they were so far from shore they couldn't you know, it was hard to see who it was, but once they figured out and John said, it's the Lord. And then it says that Peter threw himself into the water. Mm. And I just, it gives me chills and tears to think. And I think I I struggle with timelines here, but I, I think Jesus had seen Peter since his resurrection. But in my mind, I think that Peter is still struggling with what he did. And whatever, whatever reason he threw himself into the water and he was the first to get to Jesus on the shoreline. And I just, I just always wonder what they said to one another while everyone else was still out in the boat. You know, I wonder if Peter was still apologizing or if he was just, if they were hugging one another, if they were, if, if Jesus was saying, Peter, remember what I told you and you are going to be, you're going to do great things for me, but whatever it was, I think you know, he, Peter went back to the boat and he single-handedly dragged in that net full of, I think it was 150 sub odd fish. That's heavy. (laughs) He did it by himself. You know, I think it gave him strength and he was just so pumped by whatever Jesus said to him. Anyway, I I just think about forgiveness being such a, a blessing and, and such a, a weight lifted and a way that we can push reset and start new and, what what God gives us with forgiveness is is invaluable. I'm just so thankful for it. I am too. And I'm thankful that we have Peter as example of going on. He does, you know, those mission trips and he serves as an elder in the Lord's church. And, you know, he just throws his life into kingdom work. And mm-hmm. isn't that always the answer mm-hmm. <laughs> that when we're wrapped up in whatever we're struggling with, you know, um, throw your heart into, into kingdom where it keep looking up, yeah. keep looking up. And, mm-hmm. 
encourage the brethren, strengthen the brethren. And um, we have those examples for us. And I don't really know that there's a one verse or one solution for all that's true. But what do you do with the feelings of regret? You know, I know I'm forgiven, but what do I do with those feelings of regret? I know I can keep serving, but what do I do? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't except to keep returning to the foot of the cross. Keep praying and thanking God for his grace and maybe not wallow in it. We know Mm -hmm. that the people that we love, I have people that I love that are very close to me that struggle with this. And I just want to wrap them in a huge hug Mm -hmm. and say, just see yourself the way God sees you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, sometimes I think that we deal with regrets like a Mm yo-yo and we throw them down. We're throwing them to God because he says, cast your care on me. And then we think, oh, but I I can't. And we pull it back up and then we throw it down and pull it back up. But that's not what he wants us to do. He he wants us to let go of it and let him carry our burdens. And and I just think it's a beautiful thing that it's probably a lifelong lesson that we learn how to do. And and I, I know I'm guilty of it, but I remember, I remember forgiveness and remember what he wants me to do. And, and I guess when I see people who are struggling with regret, I try to share, share that story of Peter, like you were talking about. It's funny that you mentioned it because I had written that down too, but it is, it's a difficult thing. I think some good can come from regret and that um, we need that humility. Uh, I I know um, it can keep us from being self-righteous it can keep us from thinking harshly or critically of others or having unrealistic expectations. It can remind us of how far we can go, you know, um, to, for the heart check and the heart posture. But I think more often than not, we just use it as a crutch and it weighs us down. It weighs our hearts down. It it keeps us from experiencing the joy Mm -hmm. of the Christian walk and the peace that can come from being in Christ. And so maybe it's a good idea to also remember you know, you said we don't want our loved ones to wrestle with regret. God doesn't want us to wrestle with regret, but is there somebody that does? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because exactly. Peter also talks about the roaring lion walking mm-hmm. about seeking whom he may devour. And if there's anybody that wants us to have a hard time getting over a sinful past or mistakes, it's our adversary. Yeah. And his sole purpose is to keep us from growing the kingdom and to keep us from spending eternity with our loving father. And so maybe it's a good idea to remember that too, that if we're wrestling with that or it's weighing heavy on our hearts and we're having a hard time letting those thoughts go, you know, don't remember who, Mm -hmm. yeah, don't give way to that and don't let him consume our thoughts and our minds. Yeah. And you had brought up earlier Lamentations three. And when Mm -hmm. we were talking earlier this week, and it led me to go listen to the, the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And one of the verses says, pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, peace for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. And that, that gives me chills too. Mm-hmm. When you really stop and think about those words, pardon for sin and a peace that, that lasts, we can have a peace that lasts because we have pardon for sin and thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide peace for today and bright hope for tomorrow. It's a different kind of hope. Christians have a different kind of hope and uh, 
it's a beautiful song and a beautiful verse that Lamentations 3. It is. is now I want to, now I want to look it up and go back and sing it. That's a yeah. great song. Lamentations well, we'll wait, 3. we'll wait, go ahead and sing it. Should we sing now together <laughs> for everybody? No, we want to keep our listeners, don't we? <laughs> yes. You're welcome listeners. Yeah. I will read Lamentations 3 verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Mm-hmm. Great is your faithfulness. So fresh start, reset every morning because of God's goodness, his mercies, his faithfulness. If that doesn't keep us looking up, you know, and mm-hmm. um, want to embrace that peace that comes from Christ, I don't, I don't know what could. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then if you look down at verses 40 and 41 in the same chapter, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. And I read that verse the other day and I've never really connected it to verses 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. But I love how, in addition to thinking about his new mercies every single morning, our response to that is let's return to the Lord. You know, examine my heart, test my ways, and make that daily decision to return to the Lord because that's mm-hmm. our choice. Every new day, I can return to the Lord or I can drift a little bit away from him for whatever reason. There's that being intentional again. Exactly. Return to the Lord and let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. And I thought there's your phrase for your planner. Mm -hmm. Help me lift up my heart and hands to you. And, you know, if that doesn't guide our mindset or our decisions and how I'm going to spend my day and the choices I'm going to make and how I'm going to treat people heart and hands for God, yeah. because of his faithfulness and mercies every morning. Mm. Yeah, it's wonderful. It is wonderful. Well, I think that it's scary sometimes for people to think, especially with regard to forgiveness, that there are things that I might need to do to make things right. And they're hard things. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's, I'm sure there's lots of people out there thinking, but I would have to tell someone what I did and confess it. But, you know, it's just like everything else. When we do it God's way, it, it turns out so much better than we can even imagine that Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 is one of my favorite that God can, he can do things that we can't even think or imagine. And Mm -hmm. when, when we confess, it's so hard, it's embarrassing. And it's, you feel like you're letting someone down. You dread the response that you're going to get, but God, he doesn't work that way. You, mm-hmm. you find yourself surrounded by people that love you and you find people that tell you I've been there and I've been through something similar and you're going to come out the other side stronger and better. You're going to be able to help people. Just like Jesus told Peter, you're good, mm-hmm. you've got strengthening to do yourself. So I hope that anyone who might be listening out there that has something to confess to make make right in their lives. I just pray that you'll take that step and trust God. Just trust God and take that step of forgiveness and uh, to ask forgiveness and confess and and he he makes all things new. And he can make such beautiful things out of broken things. That's what he does with us all the time. So I I, I just want to encourage anyone to to think about about asking forgiveness and making things right. Well, Carl, that reminds me of what you started our conversation out with, with your thrift find, you know, those quilts that you Mm -hmm. mentioned that 
they're flawed, they're mm-hmm. rough around the edges, they're ragged, maybe they have holes in them, and you snatch them up because you see the beauty in them and they make you smile. Mm-hmm. The quilt that has personal history to you and the way it was used with the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, you see beauty in that. You know, right. it may be um, rough for, for wear because of what it's been through. It's been burned or scorched, who knows? But you see beauty in that because of what it represents. And and God sees us the same way. You know, mm-hmm. we focus on those ragged places. And mm-hmm. um, but God sees the beauty in that. And also, as I'm looking at you, I'll just tell our listeners now, I see a donkey over your shoulder. <laughs> You're in your office and you have a painting of a donkey in your window. So I see your face and your smile. And then I see this donkey staring Megan at a donkey. me. <laughs> and, and we were talking about that because I asked you about it before we hit the record. We were chatting about that. I asked you about that donkey in your window. And mm-hmm. you said that it was a painting that you did with uh, Pam Randall, who she's a real painter. She's, mm-hmm. you know, she works in oils and she's got great talent. Wait, are you saying I'm not a real painter? Well, what I meant to say was, <laughs> <laughs> I forgive you of that. Let me just say she's been painting for a while. Okay. Yeah. And she teaches painting. And she so you were, painter. you said that you were doing that painting with her. And by the time you got done with it, it didn't look very much like a donkey. It looked it. like a disgruntled lava llama. Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe more smushy and blobby or, or yes. something, but mm-hmm. Pam did her magic touch and mm-hmm. she used the brush in such a way on what you tried to create that yeah. now look at it. It's, I love that donkey mm-hmm. and it's great and it's beautiful. And I just kept thinking, wow, what an amazing tie in to that. Isn't that our lives? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we take hold of that paintbrush and we're trying to paint our story. And sometimes it looks like it. What kind of llama did you say? Disgruntled. disgruntled. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it looks like a disgruntled llama. It just looks like a mess, mm-hmm. a smeary mess and something's off. And, but you know, the master comes along and touches us up, touches our lives yeah. and makes things right and makes things new and, and like it's supposed to. And then it's, it's a work of beauty. Mm, what a great example. I remember a poem. I don't remember. I could not quote it, but the touch of the master's hand. And mm-hmm. that's, that, that's true. Pam is a master, has a master's touch and she, she made it look a lot more beautiful. What a great example. Now I'm never going to look at that little donkey in my window the same. Well, maybe you can also take a picture of that donkey and share it in I will. a Facebook group page. Or... I actually have pictures of, of when we were painting it. You know, I, I took progressive pictures uh, as it was going along. And so, yeah, I will share that. It was fun, fun memory. Good. We have lots to share. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We keep saying, oh, we'll take a picture of that and share it. So we'll try to remember to share all these things that we've been promising to share. So maybe y'all can remind us if we don't. If we forget, (laughs) you can remind us if you care to. So, well, I did want to share before I forget, um, you know, we were, we've been talking for a few days now that we want to discuss this idea of a fresh start or reset. And um, I just so happened to see my daughter-in-law. Emily Pollard wrote a blog post the other day and it went in line so perfectly with what we wanted to chat about. And she called it make a mark in 2023. And let's see in the blog post, she was describing, uh, she said, instead of making a list of things I want to check off, I made a list of attributes I want to develop. Mm. And she, she went on to say, I happen to be studying the gospel of Mark 
as the, at the start of the new year. And as I read through the raw hands-on events and teachings of Jesus's ministry, I saw qualities I want to possess in every chapter. So my plan for 2023 is to make a mark using a list of spiritual qualities found in Mark's gospel. So she created a list. She called it Operation Make a Mark 2023. (laughs) And she created a list of 16 things, one from each chapter in the gospel of Mark. Wow. It's so good. And for example, number two, be a faithful friend from Mm. Mark chapter two. And she gives specific verses in all of these so that you can look up, you know, what was happening. Number seven, take a daily heart examination from Mark seven. And then number 13, live like I don't know when he's coming. And from Mark chapter 13. So I printed it off and um, I'll share the link to that in the show notes and in the Facebook group page in case anybody else would like to check out that blog post and make a mark themselves in 2023. I thank you, Emily, for doing that. That's such a great way to, to look for the positives. You know, sometimes we go through and and we say, okay, well, this scripture tells me not to do that. And this is how I shouldn't be, but to look for the positive that that's a a great mindset to have. And I think it's something that has to be developed. John was always one that (laughs) when the boys were growing up, I would think of punitive punishments for them if they needed, you know, if, if it was Remember back in the day when we used to have kids write sentences over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I would think, okay, they're going to write, I will not treat my brother this way. And John would come along and he'd say, no, they need to write. I will treat my brother with love and forgiveness and patience and kindness and see them the way that God wants them to, wants me to see them. You know, he'd make this long (laughs) sentence and they'd have to write it 10 times. times, yeah. Yeah, but it would be positive rather than negative. I will do this rather than I will not do that. And, and so that's great, Emily. I think having such a, a positive way of looking at scripture is wonderful. I Making was going to share affirmation, you know, yes. focusing uh-huh. on that. There's an Elizabeth Elliot quote that's something like that. It says that if I'm filling my heart with God's love and thinking of others and, and his kindness, you know, what room is left for things like, you know, carnality and pride and, mm-hmm. and all that. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. I had a, a, we, in class this, this quarter teaching a class called building successful relationships here at Bear Valley. And, and, uh, one of the assignments that we are doing is reading the book called gentle and lowly by Dane Ortland. Mm-hmm. And it's the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers And the, the theme of the book, what it's about is how in all of scripture, and he gives the statistic and I, of course, I've lost my mark on it. But he talks about there's only one place in scripture where Jesus describes himself and it's as being meek and lowly. I think it's Matthew 19 um, coming to me. Those of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm botching that because I'm terrible with memorizing Sing that song. Mm, no, but he says, <laughs> I am meek and lowly in heart. Of course, he right. titled it gentle and lowly. And one of the quotes I went through for our class the other night, but one of them that I loved the most was, he said, the posture most natural to him, talking about Jesus, the posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Mm. I thought that that just fit in with what we were talking about this week with, with thinking, how does Jesus see us? He wants, he, he stands waiting with open arms for us to come and confess and to be forgiven and to be in a right, right relationship with him. He doesn't take any joy by pointing a finger at us when we are guilty. He, he, he longs to forgive. So 
That's a great book. Uh, mm. it's, again, it's Gentle and Lily. One more thing to share in the show okay. notes and take a picture of. Yeah, send me the author and everything, and I'll include that in the show okay. notes. That's good. That gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Well, and also our demeanor toward others. Instead of being so quick to point the finger, have open arms. Yeah, definitely. Very good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll share that also in our uh, list of a million things. So we're, <laughs> we're now going to share. Though. It yeah. is. It is. Is there anything else that you want to add before no. we start wrapping up? Anything from um, anything brought up from last week's conversation on the scripture writing that we? Oh wrap yeah, up? I I did want to say this is something that I keep seeing pop up. People are saying I just don't feel like I'm doing it right. Oh, and I just want to say. There is no real right or wrong way of doing scripture writing. As long as you're writing the scriptures, Mm -hmm. you're writing what God said. And as far as your study, that's just something that develops. And so I just hope that no one feels like I'm not doing this right. Because if you're doing it, you're doing it right. If you're Mm -hmm. staying in the word, you're doing it right. And allow yourself some time to grow and learn and to, you just, it's not a switch that you can flip on as far as learning how to study the Bible. It's something that you have to experience and, and um, spend time in and you just, you grow in it as you go. So I just want to encourage people who feel like they're not doing it right. Don't look at it that way. Just look at it today as another opportunity to see the mind and the heart of God when I write what it is that he wanted me to know. So that would be the main thing. So just just uh, continue doing it. If you've fallen off the wagon, as they say, <laughs> just get back in it. Don't, I don't even think you have to make up the ones you've missed. That might be great if you could, but I think sometimes if you have fallen way behind, it's just daunting to think I've got to write three chapters tonight so that I can catch up with where everyone is tomorrow. So just, just keep going. Just start where you are. And maybe if you are feeling like you're not doing it right or good enough, you know, if you pray before you do that and Mm -hmm. remember that the power is in the word and let it have its perfect work in you. We mentioned last week, you will not walk away disappointed Mm -hmm. and you'll still, you'll experience everything. Everybody else is. If you put your heart into the word, it will change your heart. And, Mm -hmm. and that's a promise. So you can get, you can remove all the self-doubt and, and just mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. I think sometimes we feel like we have to come away with each each day with some profound statement. You know, we have to summarize it into some beautiful worded statement of this is what I learned. And, you know, some days, especially if you happen to be writing a, a lineage or something, you're, you may not find something beautifully worded. So mm-hmm. don't force something that's not there. And I know it's easy to say, but you're doing this for you. I'm doing this for me and to honor God. So it's not for to show others necessarily that you did a really great job today. So anyway, I, that's just my main thing is do it for you. There's no wrong way of writing scripture and don't try to force something that's not there. I guess those are the things that I would say this week. Very good. Yeah. The only thing I want to add is that I made a mistake last week and said that I used uh, the Crayola Twistables mm-hmm. crayons, but that's not right. Hey, how do you say that word? What word? Crayons. C-R-A. Crayon. You say it the same way I do. Did people say you're not supposed to say it that way? No, there's just, 
other people say it differently. How? My sister, we grew up in the same household and she says, I think she says crayons. Crayon? Yeah. She just disregards that Y altogether. Some <laughs> people say, some people say crowns. Hmm. <laughs> They're from a different part of the country, maybe. Crayon. It's crayon. It's crayon. I'm from Texas. It's crayon. <laughs> anyway, that's not what I use. I use the you Crayola use... twistable pencils. I did yeah, not so... even know there was such a thing. Yeah. So pencils. I guess it makes sense why you had said something about, is it not waxy sticky. or sticky? Uh-huh. Yeah, whatever. And I would, when you said that, I was thinking, no, why would it be? But <laughs> that's because there are crayons and that's what I said. So mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not what I use, but again, so I, I can share a picture of those if anybody's interested in checking. And those are out. they, you don't have to sharpen those, I guess. No, you just, you just twist. twist them. Mm-hmm. That's just awesome. Twist. I'm going to get some of those. Yeah. I like, like to use the prism they, colors, but, but I'm going to try those twistables. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said last time, the color saturation is really good. So you don't have to press as hard mm-hmm. and then you don't have to worry about ripping little thin pages. Or... So are we going to do a random question today? Yes. Our random question today is, since we're talking about a fresh start, how do you keep your house smelling fresh? My house does not smell fresh. So I don't know how to keep it smelling fresh if it doesn't, because we have a well. This is, I'm talking about the house back in in Dripping Springs, and I'm just going to start calling it Dripping because that's what we call it. Dripping Springs is Dripping. Okay. And we have a well, and those of you who have wells know that sometimes it can be very sulfury smelling, and we've never been able to fix that. We've tried different ways. We've tried to flush the, uh, the hot water heater, but I mean, you can't do that every time you take a shower, but Mm -hmm. supposedly there's stuff at the bottom that if you flush it out, it makes your, it it gets rid of that bacteria that's causing the smell. We've turned the heat way, 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 way up and probably scalded ourselves a few times because someone else has said that high heat will destroy that bacteria. We have tried pouring bleach down the well to kill the bacteria Um, that we've tried lots of different things. We've got a friend at home that is going to install something. I think it's an aerator because if there's air, it's when air gets in the water that helps to disseminate the smell. Mm -hmm. That's the next attempt to make our house smell fresh because it's terrible. I mean, it's terrible. I've stayed in your house a couple of times and I don't recall it smelling bad. Well, I, well, I think it's because maybe we've been there and we've already showered and run water through the dishwasher or whatever. And once it's kind of running through the pipes, it's not as bad, but, but it really, it's nauseating sometimes if we've been at camp or if we've been gone for a few days and we come back and turn the, the washer on. So anyway, I don't, every time I walk into my house, I think, uh, it stinks. It just stinks. But I try opening windows and I basically clean. I tell you one thing, it's a lot easier to keep it smelling better now that the boys are grown up. <laughs> so true. <laughs> There's no stinky gym socks and old backpack smells. Yes, I miss my boys, but I don't miss the smells that were associated with the teenage years. And you know, you have three boys. I do own. know. I do. And I know about the gym bags too. because. Mm-hmm. All three of ours were gym rats. Mm-hmm. There were times I wanted on the way home from school. Sometimes I'd want them to hold their bags out the window rather than putting in the car just to let them, you know, hold them as we drive down the road. So I don't have to smell that nasty stuff. Now I am married to a runner. So yeah. even though we don't have boys in the home anymore, I, I'm married to mm-hmm. a runner. And so he, the 
he has to take his running clothes off and drop them straight into the washing machine. <laughs> Thankfully, it's right by your back door. Yes, I do not want him putting his dripping wet running clothes in the dirty clothes with our other clothes. You know, I don't want to touch them. So mm-hmm. he just puts them straight into the washing machine. And That may be more about Neil Pollard than Neil Pollard wants everyone to know. Sorry, Neil. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, um, I just, I do the same thing you do. I open a sliding glass door mm-hmm. every day just to freshen things up, even when it's cold. Yeah. In my mind, anyway, that little bit of fresh air keeps things smelling fresh. And I also diffuse essential oils. Mm. I like your favorite smells and uh, lemongrass. I don't know that I've ever smelled that one. Oh, it smells so good. And it makes Mm. you feel good. Also, Mm -hmm. I also love the smell of lavender, but that's one of those scents that you either love it or hate it. It seems Mm -hmm. like, and strangely enough, I have people in my life that don't like lavender, which I think is weird. But so I try not to diffuse that. We diffuse it in our bedroom at night, but I try not to diffuse it in my home in case somebody comes by who's averse to it. (laughs) Can we still be friends if I'm not crazy about it? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I think what happened was I, I put some on my pillow one night because I read that it helps to relax you. And I think I just put too much because all night long, it was all I could smell and it gave me a headache. And so now I'm kind of. I'm kind of anti-lavender. Sorry. That's okay. It can be kind of strong. I think some people associate it with like their grandma's closet or something. Because <laughs> it's kind of a strong smell. I just, I love it. It's very relaxing to me. Neil likes it too. So that's good. Mm-hmm. But supposedly lavender, there's something about the lavender scent that will kill scorpions. Maybe it's not the scent, but there's a certain lavender scented cleaner that you can use that will kill scorpions so there's a piece of trivia for those of you I don't who know how I feel trouble. about that Carla I don't I don't I know, know that you... I want to associate scorpions mm-hmm. with lavender but... sorry about that but at least it's a it gets rid of them it's not that it attracts them yeah yeah but what is that saying yes we have scorpions sometimes <laughs> in Texas not too but they don't ago. kill you they're just well I would die of fright Mm-hmm. If I saw one, mm-hmm. so, I remember one time you and Neil being at the house and it was dark and y'all had a flashlight out. And I think you were worried about each step that you took because we had happened to mention. Just yeah. You just happened on. to, you just happened to mention, yeah, not to go barefooted in your house. And then yeah. that gave me the willies. Mm-hmm. Well, if it makes you feel any better, we have not had any, now that I say that they're going to come back, but we haven't had any in a couple of years. You just said that out loud. You know, I did. Happen. I did, but we're in Denver right now. So We'll, we'll get rid of them. Are we going to ask if anyone has hung in this long, we're going to ask people to submit maybe some random questions for us to, to, to talk about on the Do show. Do we really want to go there? Mm, maybe. <laughs> I mean, we're yes, not saying we have to. Let's No, let's, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. If you guys have random questions for us, we'd love to have them. We may mm-hmm. or may not answer them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have uh, thoughts or ideas for future topics, we've already received a couple this week. We thank you very much for those and and welcome those. You can go to our Facebook group page and you can um, message us. There's uh, We have an Instagram page now. We can chat over there and interact over there. If you have um, ideas along the lines of our topic today, fresh start, resolutions, forgiveness, we welcome your thoughts on that also. The The big point of all of this is we're encouraging each other 
to look up. And so we welcome your thoughts and would really appreciate that. It's encouraging to us to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you even just want to share how you keep your houses smelling fresh, <laughs> we welcome that too. So uh, in the meantime, we just want to say thank you. If you have hung in this long, thank you for joining us for this conversation, Carla. It was great talking to you as always. Mm-hmm. It's been fun. Are you looking forward to next week and our next mm-hmm. topic? And until next time, keep looking up. Keep looking up. Love you, girl. Love you too. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye.